0: Welcome to Baby Boomer Tales. My name is Jim. Thank you for riding along today. When you were a kid, did you have a hero? Do you have a hero now? Have you ever known a hero? A lot of kids figure their hero is either mom or dad. That's a good thing I do believe. For a little kid to look at their folks and think, I want to be like him when I grow up. I want to be like her when I grow up. They can do no wrong in that child's eyes. They're always there to protect them and to keep them safe. Well, that's not always the case with every little kid. And it's a perfect world scenario, I know. But it does occur throughout this whole world of ours all the time. There are very many parents out there that do their very best And their children look at them like nothing, nothing is any better than this. Some kids think a certain teacher is their hero. Others think an athlete is their hero. When I was a kid, I had two heroes. One was Mickey Mantle. The other was Johnny Unitas. Mickey played baseball for the New York Yankees. And I just thought he was the cat's potatoes johnny played football for the baltimore colts he was their quarterback and i always had a johnny Unitas haircut growing up it seemed kind of trying to emulate my hero a little bit since i would never play football as good as him or hit a baseball as hard as old mickey so kids look at the world around them and oftentimes pick somebody that isn't of the best character that is their hero Maybe it's because they played a great part in some movie that they saw or sang a song or in a band that they think is the very best and they'd love to grow up to be just like that. problem with recognizing heroes is it can turn into hero worship, kind of like the way I wanted to always cut my hair like Johnny Unitas. You start thinking, this person, through no fault of their own, really, you have taken on wanting to be just like them, Not taken into account all their flaws, all their struggles in life, all their dark side, and all you see is the bright shining light. This lockdown has changed things a lot. The other day, I drove by the post office, right there and a big old sign on top of the post office said, Only heroes work here. I thought, now that's kind of weird. I drove on and I cruised by a nursing home that I was familiar with. And on that building, in a big old sign, was basically the same thing. said, only heroes work here. And it made me think. And that's where I got the idea for today's episode. You can see that sign at a fast food restaurant, at a hotel, at a major department store. That sign is all over the place. And I'm here to tell you now. The guy that's going to stock shelves at a big box store is not a hero. He's just happy he has a job during these trying times. Now, he may be a hero to his little girl. That's fine. But if you ask all these people that were throwing this word and this phrase and this moniker out that they're heroes, they'll probably be the first to tell you they're just happy they have a job and can support their family. It's kind of like in this day and age, if you're going to go about your everyday normal routine in life, you're going to get the group participation trophy, and on it is going to say Hero. And that trophy's going to look like this Superman with a cape standing on there. And when he smiles, a little gleam comes from his teeth. And that is you. I'm sorry if I come against what you think right at this very moment. But I believe there's good men and women everywhere, and they're just doing their best, and they are not heroes. The definition in the dictionary of hero is a person noted for courageous acts or nobility of character. Now, maybe the argument is stated here, well, he goes to work every day. Number one, he's putting his life on the line because of this virus. And he's a noble character that he has a job. But did we think that way a couple years ago? Am I a hero because I go to the grocery store so I won't starve? I'm putting my life on the line right there if it comes right down to it. We cannot all be heroes. But we can all be good and hardworking people that are doing our best and not rocking the apple cart. And not coming against all those that are doing their best also. I believe that. So next time you see one of those signs, just give them a little honk as you drive by. I don't care. It just gets me. I guess it gets my goat. When somebody says, this movie star is my hero. That rock and roller has always been my hero. That football player, man, he's good. He's my hero. But you can have them if that's what you want to choose. I don't care if that running back gets tackled by a 300-pound defensive tackle. You might think that's a heroic deed, but he's getting paid generously for that. And I don't think that's a heroic deed at all. He's doing nothing any more special than that lady standing at the cash register checking you out at the grocery store. Not any more special at all, in my opinion. I think we shouldn't water down the word hero. I think it should mean something special about someone special. There are heroes all around us. Make no mistake about it. I didn't rule out everyone in the world. There are many men and women, and yes, even children, have done an heroic deed that puts others first, maybe at their own peril. Maybe they could have died, and yet they helped and saved somebody else or just stood between a big bully and a trip to the hospital. Who knows? But I really have a hard time thinking the guy delivering my mail is any kind of hero. Now, I have a very dear friend that retired from the post office, several friends that work for the post office. So I'm not putting that down even a little bit. That's good, honest work. Yeah, I'll get off my soapbox. I didn't mean to do that. I just think that we've watered down that definition it should be something special and made it ordinary, just like the rest of the world's doing to us day by day anymore. I'll save my heroes for special times. Let me change it up just a little. When I was a kid, I remember one time my mom, and she was with, I think, a couple of her sisters, a couple of my aunts, maybe two or three of my aunts, sister-in-laws, Anyway, they all went up, probably a couple station wagons full of kids and picnic baskets and ants and everything. We went up by the ski area. It was in the summertime. There's some nice picnic grounds around there, up in the hills and the woods and the mountains there. And we found this great place and had a picnic, and those kids were running around the woods. And we came across this culvert. Now, a culvert is designed to move water from one spot to another. Well, this culvert was not small. It was at least five by five square, it five foot high, five foot wide. And it ran quite a ways. We were playing in it. It may have been six by six. I cannot remember. I was probably not nine years old yet. And so all of my cousins, me, were playing in this culvert. And it ran at least a block under the mountain there. And there's a little trickle of water running through that. And we were having fun, splashing. And I had several of my cousins, Marsha and Gary, I believe, were there. I do believe my Aunt Connie, that's five months younger than me, was there. My brothers were there. I don't think my sister was born yet. My cousin Rod was there. And I don't know about any other cousins. Rod was a little kid. He was about one, maybe, maybe two. He was a toddler, wasn't moving very fast or anything, but he could walk because he was playing in there with us. So he was probably one and a half or two. And we were having fun and had played in there for about half an hour or so. Right at the opening was a picnic table where our ants were all sitting at talking and so they were kind of watching us. It was fine but all of a sudden on the other end of the culvert here came a rush of water. It was probably about as tall as half the height of the culvert. It came rushing at us. It made such a noise that we all saw it immediately. And I remember looking at it and watching my cousins and my brothers screaming, running the other way, running right past me, running to the opening where my mom and aunts were. And so I turned around to take off, and there's my little cousin Rod, and he was just standing there. He was too little to really react quickly at all or defend himself or anything. And as I was running by, I just scooped him up in my arms, and we ran out of the culvert before the water reached us. We were all safe, and I don't know if anything would have happened to us, but it was a bunch of water coming at us very rapidly, and it was scary, and we hightailed out of there, and everybody was okay, and then our moms all found out what was going on, and we were forbidden to go back in there. We had probably talked them into it in the first place. You know how it is. Oh, Mom, it's safe. I promise it's safe. We checked it out. Yeah, it's safe. Isn't it safe? Yeah, John says it's safe. Gary says it's safe. It's safe. Well, that was not a heroic thing I did. I just grabbed my cousin and ran out with him. It was just a reaction. It would have been a cowardly thing to run past him and left him there. I don't ever remember going back up to that spot Up by the ski area up there in the summertime for a picnic ever again. I just think that that was a one and done thing. It probably did freak my mom and my aunts out once they realized that they were letting their kids play somewhere that could have been very dangerous. But you know how it is. Stuff happens and stuff doesn't happen. And if you're fortunate, it didn't happen. And it didn't happen that day. You ever take a bus now, I know I'm kind of all over the place today, picnic and the heroes and now a bus, but I've taken a bus. My first time I ever rode a bus that I can remember, I talk about it in episode two. My dad told me to get a haircut, and I hitchhiked to Denver and got on a bus to St. Francis, Kansas, and rode that bus halfway across Colorado to Kansas and then started hitchhiking on the states surrounding Colorado and came home a week later. So that was my first adventure on a bus. I've ridden buses since then. One time I took a tour bus to Branson, Missouri with a bunch of friends. That was really nice. It was a small tour bus, and that was great. When we went to the Middle East, we went everywhere on a tour bus, and those tour buses were just great. That's what they did all day, every day, luxurious, comfortable, great way to get from place to place on a tour bus. My cousin Rod, he's a tour bus driver, has been ever since he probably was 21 years old. I believe he still is, unless he's retired now. I think he spent his whole career doing that. One time on Rod's tour bus, they're going on a excursion, a one-day excursion. There were 28 people on his bus, and they were going over the pass that gets into the county that I was raised in. And then through the Rocky Mountain National Park and back out over that pass into the eastern slope of the Rocky Mountains and back into the Denver area. And by all the accounts that I could find, I'm not sure if he was going up the pass or down the pass. Now these mountain passes, if you're not familiar, they're usually two lanes wide, especially back in those days. And on one side of you is the mountain. And on the other side of you, the mountain continues down, so there's a drop-off. And so it depends on if you're which way you're going, because they switch back on these switchback roads. So you may be driving along, and there's a big drop-off on your right. And then you go, and you turn the switchback, and now the drop-off's on your left, and the mountain is on your right, right there on top of you. Trees and rocks and stuff. You can see little rocks maybe you know a foot square or something that's rolled down the hill that they knock off that road with snow plows all summer long because they always constantly fall so i don't know if he's going up the mountain or down the mountain every account of this i read one will say he's going up and one will say he's going down and i believe the way i always remember this is he was going up the mountain so let's just call it that about the time, he was almost to the top of the mountain, about halfway, over halfway. All of a sudden, my cousin Rod saw this big rock coming at him right out of the trees there. Some accounts say it was half as big as the bus. Other accounts say it was as big as a car. Other accounts say it was about six to eight foot square. He is quoted as saying that he didn't even have time to do anything, but he did swerve and try to miss it. Long story short, that rock hit that bus and filleted it, basically. Tore all the side off of the one side they hit it on. It killed six people instantly. Wounded about 14, and there were 28 people on the bus. So almost everybody was injured or dead. All accounts said that Rod said he just saw it. He didn't have time to do anything. So it made big news. But from accounts that I heard from people that came on the scene, rescue workers and emergency workers, is that if it wasn't for my cousin Rod, that bus could have gone over the edge of the mountain and they'd had a lot more serious situation. That he actually saved lives that day. Now, I've never talked to my cousin about this. You have to know him. He is so mild-mannered and soft-spoken and not really provoked into much conversation at all. It was a very bad deal up there, but I'm here to tell you that I've known one hero in my life and that's my cousin Rod. I don't know how long it took him to heal from that, but he did, he got back up on the horse and rode again. Good for him. Thank you for coming along today. You can visit our website at BabyBoomerTales.com. Always be kind. You'll be glad you were. I'll be back next Wednesday. Peace out.